0: thank you everybody you can take a seat thank you and good morning really great to be back at church unlimited again and uh, i know pastor tark is away this morning so how about we just close and go and have coffee somewhere and you can tell him it was the the best sermon you've ever heard in your life all those in favor Well, okay. Well, we'll just close in prayer then. You're supposed to say, no, no, we want to hear your sermon today. (laughs) Really, as I said, it's always great to be here, and I feel so at home here as well. Not just because I'm a great friend of your pastor, but because I love this church and the spirit of this church. As Pastor Sam mentioned, I have the privilege of being in a different church every Sunday all over the place but uh, you have something unique in this church that is God-given. Your pastor has fostered a real sense of welcoming the Holy Spirit and a real spirit of prayer in this place. And I believe that God's going to answer your prayers in a powerful way. And as Pastor Sam mentioned, I was at New Zealand and beyond earlier this year and just loved it. It was uh, one of the most exciting, uh, God-breathed events I've ever been to. So I want to congratulate you. And you had the best choir of ever seen anywhere it's incredible the noisiest naughtiest choir I've ever seen anywhere on the planet okay I'm going to launch right, right into the message today the reason is that you've got some Santa parade in the middle of town and time's a bit limited here and there so I've got to keep everything short okay so you're ready for the scripture today I want to turn your attention to a well-known passage of Scripture that's found in the book of Isaiah, and I'll turn your attention to chapter 54, and I'll read in a few moments from verses 1 to 4. It'll be on the screen in a moment, but Isaiah chapter 54, and in a moment I'll be reading to you from verses 1 to 4. And the title of my message today is, Do Not Hold Back. There are some times when, when, when I go to churches and God puts a message upon my heart and there are other times I know that I have a word from God. And today is one of those times when I feel like Jeremiah, his word is like a fire in my bones. So I want to encourage you today, don't just listen to the man with the funny accent from the other side of the pond, but I want you today to really hear what God wants to say to you. I believe that this is a word for you and a word for your church today because you are on the verge and the precipice, I believe, of the greatest breakthrough that you have ever seen. I believe that with all of my heart. So the title is Do Not Hold Back. But just before I read the text today, let me just give you a little bit of background to the passage that I'm about to read. The people of Judah had been forcibly exiled to Babylon. But about 150 years before, the prophet Isaiah had written down prophecies that were going to be powerfully relevant for the circumstances in which these people found themselves. And this shows us that the Lord is not caught unaware by the things that we are going through, but he always has the right word at the right time that gives us guidance and assurance at the critical moments of our life. And Isaiah initially prophesied that the people had deserved judgment because of their rebellion against the God. But then in chapter 40, everything changes. God announces something new and unexpected, that they had been sufficiently punished for all of their sins. And God was about to powerfully intervene and miraculously lead his people back to their homeland and to a glorious future. And then in vivid, descriptive, messianic chapters, Isaiah begins to prophesy about the atoning work of Jesus who is portrayed as the suffering servant. But the people, the people hearing this word were in a bad way. And before I read the text, let, let me just portray their mindset that, that Isaiah was prophesying to. They felt that their prayers weren't being answered. They felt that God's promises weren't being fulfilled. They felt like every year was a cruel repetition of the year before. It wasn't that they didn't love God, but it's just that things weren't unfolding in the way that they expected and in the time that they felt they should. And as a consequence, they had lost their song. They had lost their joy. They had lost their shout. And they were going through the motions of everyday living but not really preparing for what God was about to do. And they didn't have any expectation of a different tomorrow because today was just going to be like every other day. That is exactly the state of mind that the exiled found themselves in. And right into the middle of that mindset, this is what Isaiah said. Isaiah 54 verse 1 says, Sing, O barren woman, and you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and stretch your tent curtain wide. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Here it is. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and set in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Now you will notice in that passage there that the Lord starts off by saying there, Sing, O barren woman. And in verse number one, the Lord personifies his people as a barren woman. And when you first read that, it seems like a slap in the face, like God was calling them a barren woman. But to understand the remainder of the passage, we need to understand what it was like for an infertile woman in the culture of the ancient Near East. And in the ancient world, to be barren was a disgrace. As it is today in many parts of Africa and the Middle East. I remember a couple of years ago, Pastor Tark and I and Pastor Mark Mark Varakis were preaching in Pakistan and Pastor Mark stood up and said, I believe that there's a lady here today and you're having trouble conceiving. Would you please come down and receive prayer? And there were literally dozens of ladies who came forward and they were crippled over with grief and anguish because in their culture, they were seen as a failure because they couldn't have kids. And in in the scripture, in Bible days, an infertile woman was someone who had apparently committed some sin. She was judged unworthy of having a child. And seeing other people bear children was a source of anguish and sometimes jealousy. A barren woman's life was one of regular humiliation. And you think in scripture of Rachel when she was consumed with jealousy over Leah, and she went to Jacob and she burst out, Give me children, or I die. Or you think about Hannah, intoxicated by sorrow and she went to Elo because she was filled with anguish and grief. Or you think about Elizabeth, who was five months pregnant and she said, The Lord has done this for me. He has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. And with all that background in mind, why would God call his people a barren woman? Well, as we begin to work through uh, these words today, we, we forensically work out that that is how the people were feeling about themselves. In verse number four, they felt disgraced. In verse number five, they felt unmarried. In verse number six, they felt rejected, deserted, distressed. In verse number seven, they felt abandoned. They felt unloved. And putting all those feelings together, we come to one glaring conclusion that the people in exile felt just like a barren woman. They were exiled. They were enslaved. They had no answers to prayer. They had no fulfillment of the promises of God. They had no hope of a meaningful future. They were saying, we are just like a barren woman. Sometimes, friends, we can feel exactly the same way. We can be crippled by this overwhelming sense that our lives are barren, that they are not making any difference. Barrenness in our marriage, barrenness in our business, barrenness in our witnessing, and God seems distant and detached. We're not getting answers to prayer. We're not seeing the fulfillment of the promises of God. We've got no hope of a a different future because today is just like every other day. And we're trapped in this endless circle. And if you feel like that today, I want you to listen to what the Lord spoke to these these people in that day. And the Lord told his people to do three things. Number one is this, the Lord spoke to these barren people and the first thing God said was, burst into song and shout for joy. Burst into song and shout for joy. So God wasn't putting his people down. In fact, verse number one is an amazing encouragement. And the Lord said, sing, O barren woman, and you who never bore a child. Burst into song and shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more of the children of the desolate woman Than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. So the Lord spoke right into the reality of how the people were feeling about themselves. And here it is He was going to turn the very thing that was a source of crushing pain into a source of erupting joy. And so God told them to burst into song and shout for joy. But given the disgrace and the shame of how they were feeling, it's very surprising that God would say, sing, shout, and be joyful. Under the circumstances, these were the last emotions that you would expect that the people would be feeling. But given the circumstances, why was God asking them to shout for joy? Why? Because God was about to do something. The Lord said, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. In other words, God was about to make them fruitful. God was about to answer their prayers. God was about to fulfill his promises. God was about to turn everything around. Therefore, I suspect that God's reference to Judah being a barren woman is very intentional. And I would suggest that there there was a reminder to them of the mother of, of their people, Sarah. Sarah, or Sarai as she was known, was barren. And she was unable to conceive until the Lord divinely enabled her. And in so doing, she became the mother of their nation." By the enabling of God, Sarah gave birth to the promise Isaac. Isaac and and Rebekah produced Jacob. Jacob produced the 12 sons which became the tribes of Israel. These people became a people through a barren woman. Abraham even though he was past the age of procreation and Sarah was past the age of conception. Abraham was sterile and Sarah was infertile, but God enabled the impossible to become possible. God gave Abraham supernatural seed to produce life. God gave Sarah supernatural power to conceive life. And as you see in Hebrews 11:11 11, 11, it says, "By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah Herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. So, what was the point of reminding them of Sarah's miracle conception? Well, if, God, if, if the God of their father Abraham and their mother Sarah could enable the barren to conceive and from that conception produce a whole nation, then is he not able to come to a people in exile, a people without hope, a people who felt abandoned, a people who felt disgraced, and cause them to become exceedingly fruitful once again? But I believe that this is just more than an exhortation to believe that God can do these types of things. God was looking for a response of faith. He wanted his exiled people to deal with the implied doubt and unbelief that was inside of their heart. He did not want them to be like their mother, Sarah, and have cynicism and disbelief inside of their hearts. He wanted them to get ready and respond to what God was going to do. And so he told them, before the miracle had happened, sing, he said. In fact, burst into song. And then he said, and shout for joy. Why? Because I believe sometimes in our own lives we feel so barren. We feel unproductive. We feel like our lives are not bearing any fruit. Sometimes we feel abandoned, that God is distant, that God is detached. And sometimes we feel acutely the barrenness of prayer and the barrenness of promises and the barrenness of years. Or we feel that the future has nothing but the repetition of how things have always been. But today I want to encourage you to remember Remember that he is the God who enables barren people to conceive. He is the God who has the power to do the impossible. He is the God who assures us of a glorious future. Therefore, we need to wrestle with that question that God asked Sarah when he said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Today is the day to overcome negativity. Today is the day to overcome doubt. Today is the day to overcome unbelief and begin to have an expectation that God is about to make you and God is about to make this church so fruitful on a scale that you have never seen before. So what we need to do today is get our song back. In fact, we need to burst into song. Today, we need to get our shout back and today we need to shout with the joy of the Lord. Today, some of us who are feeling barren need to believe this is the day when God is going to turn everything around that I will no longer be barren but will produce the fruit of what he wants to do inside of my life. So today, in the name of Jesus, I'm speaking over you today. Let your song be restored. Let your joy be restored. Let your shout be restored. And I'll tell you why. Because God is about to do something inside of you like you have never seen before. Prayers are going to be answered. Promises are going to be fulfilled. I believe that God is about to do amazing things. So Church Unlimited today, sing. Oh, today, shout. Oh, today, let the joy of the Lord burst up inside of your heart number two the second thing that God told his people to do was this he told them to prepare for an expansive future or in sub subtitles there enlarge the place of your tent church unlimited hear me today you need to get ready for what God is about to do in your life you need to get ready for an expansive future Now, in the culture of the day, it was the woman's job to erect and maintain the tent. There's a sermon there, but I'm not going there. So in anticipation of what God was about to do, he instructed the barren woman while she was still barren to get ready for increase he told her before the miracle had happened you need to take action you need to do all that you 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 can do the miracle hasn't happened yet but it is going to happen but god spoke to her even in her barrenness in verse number 2 and said Enlarge the place of your tent and stretch your tent curtains wide and do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Why? Why was God telling her to get her tent ready? Verse number three explicitly tells us, "'For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities.'" To me, it was like the Lord was saying here, if I drove out the Canaanites to give give you the promised land, I can do it again. And I'm about to overthrow, defeat, and drive out every obstacle that prevents my people from living in the place where I want them to live. And where there has been emptiness in your life, I am about to fill it. And very soon the Lord was saying, you are going to be bursting at the seams. And so the Lord was saying in anticipation, participation get ready and prepare hear me today friends I believe this is more than just a sermon this is something God wants to say to you today church unlimited and in your own life you need to get ready you need to prepare you need to get ready you need 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 to be prayer because God prepare because God is about to make you exceptionally fruitful God is about to bless you now, of course, the people weren't living in tents by this stage. They are in exile in Babylon. So what was the Lord trying to say? What, what was he trying to convey to them? Verse 2 it gives us a clue. He said, enlarge, stretch, lengthen, Strengthen. God wanted them to get ready. He wanted their hearts, their minds, their faith to get ready. God wanted them to have enthusiasm, exuberance, and expectation. He wanted them to deal with their unbelief and their cynicism the cynicism that says, Oh, why should this year be any different than any other year? Why would tomorrow be any different from last week as well? He wanted them to get ready, he wanted them to, to prepare. Friends, today, similarly, we need to expand our tents. We need to prepare our lives, we must expand our thinking, expand our spiritual vocabulary, expand our life, expand our generosity, expand our relationships, expand our serving, expand our daily disciplines, expand our availability for God to use us, begin to expand our prayer, begin to expand our expectation, begin to expand everything in our lives and get ready for what God is about to do. And right in the middle of verse verse number two, the Lord said, do not hold back, which is where I got the title of the message from today. I believe the Lord is saying it very loud here today. Do not hold back. There must be no delay, no hesitation, no procrastination. There must not be any limitation caused by our Don't limit God because we've failed to prepare for what God is about to do. Some of you have been anesthetized because of the pain of the past, and some of you perhaps feel so barren and you're sitting back. I want to encourage you today, do not hold back, but begin to rise to what God has for you. Do not hold back taking courageous steps of faith. Do not hold back speaking words of faith. Do not hold back sowing seed. Of faith, do not hold back living a life of faith, do not hold back doing all that is within your power to make a difference in other people's lives. This is not a time to sit in your tent, this is a time for action and activity to get ready for what God is about to do. Because there's a sobering implication in these verses here that a lack of preparation will produce a limitation to what God wants to do in and through them. So the Lord said, get ready for an expansive future. And that leads me to my third and final point here today. The Lord spoke to these people who felt so barren. First thing he said was, come on, get your shout back and get your song back. The second thing he told them to do was was prepare. But the third thing the Lord told them to do was this, do not fear that the future is going to be a painful repetition of the past. He said, do not fear that the future is going to be a painful repetition of the past. Verse number four reads, Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Verses 1 to 3 were like an explosive relief where God was promising them a glorious future. And God had been watching and waiting and wanting to bless them. And his initiative through the suffering servant that was portraying Jesus had atoned for all of their sins. But there was another major problem in the heart of the people. Not only were they filled with unbelief and cynicism about the future... They were also crippled by a paralyzing sense of shame and pain and regret over the past. And they were fearing that the future was just going to be a painful repetition of all that they had been through in the past. Why should things be any different in the future compared to what they had been through in the past? And this is where God commanded them and said... Do not be afraid and do not fear the disgrace because the future does not have to be a repeat of the past. That your failures and your faults will no longer have any bearing upon your future. And he said in verse number four there, you will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. But what does that mean? What, what is the shame of their youth or the reproach of their widowhood? Well, I would suggest the shame of their youth was their slavery in Egypt. In Egypt, they were very much in the position that they were in now, dominated, enslaved, without any hope for the future. They felt powerless even though the Lord was their God. And their widowhood was the exile that they found themselves in now. Because they had rebelled and abandoned their God, they had been exiled. And this generation felt powerless. They couldn't do anything about the shame that they were feeling inside of their lives. And those two great events, their enslavement in Egypt and their enslavement in the exile, were two of the major sources of the people feeling a sense of shame and disgrace and humiliation, it burdened upon their hearts. And yet God spoke right into the reality of that. And he said, choose not to fear shame any longer because the Lord was saying to them, you are no longer gonna feel disgrace. You are no longer gonna feel shame. You are no longer gonna feel humiliation over the things that you have done wrong. And the Lord was saying to them, the future is not gonna be like it was in the past. What does this mean for us here today? I have just met Christian after Christian after Christian who feels like these people here paralyzed by the things that they've done or the things that they've said or the things that they have felt and they feel that their life is stigmatized by the wasted years or the circumstance or the sin that they're involved with and there were some things that they did and things that they said that they deeply regret and they're just feeling like it has incapacitated them and I want you to hear me today in the name of Jesus we are not defined by the power of our past. We are defined by God's future purposes for us in Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins. And I want to say to you today, friends, you are not defined by what you have done in the past. You are defined by what Jesus has done in your life and now and what he's going to do for you in the future. So I want to encourage you today. You are barren today because you feel Crippled by what you've done in the past, but I believe the Lord is saying to you today is the day to begin to get your song back. Today is the day to begin to stir up that joy. Today is the day to begin to let an exuberant shout out from your heart because you will no longer be defined by that and your future is not going to be a repetition of your past because God is going to do something new and unprecedented and unparalleled inside of your life. So you need to get ready for what God is about to do. But why did God say that they did not need to fear the future being a repetition of of the past? In verses 5 to 10, the Lord revealed to them two things about himself that they needed to remember, that they had forgotten, which got them into this mess in the very first place. The Lord reminded them of two, two things. Firstly, the Lord reminded them, of his unfailing and everlasting love. Just listen to a couple of verses here. This is powerful. Verse five. For your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And though the mountains be shaken, And the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Oh, I love those verses. Even though the Lord said, that he had been justifiably angry, his love for them was unfailing and enduring. There was a moment of anger that caused the exile, but then that's nothing compared in comparison to the everlasting love of God. And in verse 7, there was a moment of anger, but deep, eternal compassion that God had for them. And God's love was saying, My people, there was a time when you did something, but I forgive you, and now I. I'm going to bless you because of my great love and I'm going to bring you back to myself and I'm going to restore what has been lost and I'm going to bless you by my grace and I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you and your barren womb is going to open and you are going to see great and mighty things. I love, I love the verse up here, Psalm 103, verse number 9 that says, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever, for he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. I thank God today that that is the truth of, of those verses up there. It's disappeared, but that, those, those verses up there, that God is a God of great love. But the other reason why God told them that they didn't need to fear that the future was going to be a repetition of the past was B, is that the Lord is our Redeemer. The Lord is our Redeemer. Listen to this, verse number five. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the Lord of the whole earth. The Lord will call you back as if He were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion in you, says the Lord, our Redeemer. God, friends, is our Redeemer. And this means that He will do all that is necessary to bring forgiveness and wholeness to His people, to bring them back to Himself and to bring them back to His purposes for their lives. And as a Redeemer, what that means is that God restores our lives when we have failed failed, and fallen. He is a God of redemption. He says the Lord will call you back. He is a God of restoration. He's a God who restores people to himself. He's a God who takes the broken pieces of fragmented lives. And by his grace and by his spirit, he brings them together and he blesses them and he makes them whole. And I want to say to you today, friends, some of you feel barren because you feel broken. You feel like your life is in a thousand pieces, but you need to remember today, Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is our restorer. And Jesus wants to touch you today. Day and make you whole and make you fruitful on a scale that you have never seen before. And maybe you feel the shame of things that you've been through in your life. Maybe you feel scarred because of problems that you've brought upon yourself. But I want you to know today, he is a God of compassion who will bring mountains down and will bring valleys up to get his people back where he wants them to be. So I believe today that the Lord is saying to you and the Lord is saying to this church, even though you feel so barren in so many parts of your life, today is a day of change when he's going to make you exceptionally fruitful in his name in conclusion in case you were worrying in in, in conclusion today so the Lord spoke to a people who felt abandoned who felt disgraced who felt humiliated about things that they'd done he spoke to a people who felt that they were so barren and the Lord told them in summary to do three things Number one, the Lord said, I want you to burst into song and I want you to shout for joy. Why? Because God was about to turn everything around. And today, friends, there's there's, there's some of you here today, you've lost your song. You no longer sing from the heart. You sing just going through all the motions. You need to get your song back today. There are some people who've lost their joy, that spontaneous, erupting joy. Today, the Lord is here to restore your joy. Some of you have lost your shout. There's no longer that enthusiasm, that passion. God's going to give you your roar back today in anticipation. Before the miracle has come, you need to believe this to then go, Lord, I'm going to shout, I'm sing for, I'm going to sing, burst into song, and shout for joy. But the second thing the Lord said was, I want you to get ready for what I'm about to do. Why? Because God is a God of his promises, and I I believe this, and I prophesy this, this building will not contain what God is about to do. And even though you've got a great building and a little car park, it's not going to be big enough for what God is about to do. I just think God's going to do some amazing things. And thirdly, do not fear the future being a painful repetition of the past, and the reason is because God is a God of love and God is a God of redemption and God is about to turn everything around in his wonderful name. So today, I want to pray over you before I close and I hand back to Pastor Sam and we go and beat Santa uh, in town. I want us to take a moment to pray that God would just turn everything around in your life. I believe that. Would you mind standing with me, please? Sorry to wake you, but if, if you wouldn't mind standing. <laughs> just with every eye closed, please. I wonder how many people would say, say today, that word was for me. I've just felt so barren that God's just, I love God, but he has just seems distant and it's like nothing was happening. And I just want God to do something in me today that I can get ready for what he's about to do. If you just feel that, that sense of barrenness today and you just want me to pray over you, just a prayer today. Would you please just let me know it's you that I'm speaking to. Would you mind just raising your hand and saying, Bruce, would you pray for me? Include me in this prayer. Great. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. You can pop them down again. Thank you. Just wondering if we could just all just lift our hands before the Lord. Out of all that I've said today, what was the the one thing, the one scripture, the one thought that really spoke into your life today? What was the one thing that was the word of the Lord to you? Would you just take a moment just to think about that? Pray about that. Then I'm going to pray over you today in Jesus' name. We welcome the presence of your Holy Spirit, our Father. Thank you for your word to Judah, a word that is just as relevant for us today. And I pray over every person who feels a sense of barrenness in their life. I speak over them your blessing. I thank you that, Lord, you will turn everything around in their lives. And you will make them, Lord, exceptionally fruitful. Give us wisdom to know how to respond, how to enlarge, how to how, how to grow, Lord, how to respond to you. And I pray that, Lord, today you would touch people's lives. I pray you would minister to people powerfully. Just turn everything around. I pray in Jesus' name.